Welcome to the All-in-One Podcast for Middle School Language Arts Teachers. I'm Linda, and I've been a teacher for over 30 years. I can help you with tips, tricks, and motivation that will simplify your planning, streamline your teaching, and enjoy more free time. Well, hey there, it's Linda. I hope all is going well in your world. I hope that your September is off to a really good start. I know how hectic September can be, both in your personal life and especially in your professional life. I mean, there's really really nothing like being a teacher in September or June, but in September, there's just kind of these you know, expectations for wanting to have a perfect year and wanting to get all of this stuff done with your students. And I just am hoping that you're in a really good place um, wherever you are in your teaching world. So I'm really excited to continue with our mini series on reading workshop. So today we're going to be talking about the actual reading workshop model because I will, I keep saying that, and maybe some of you don't really know what it is. And we're going to go through the components of the actual reading workshop model. So maybe it's your first job, maybe you're a veteran teacher, um, whatever it is, you're finding yourself in a position that you either have to teach with the reading workshop model, or you want to try it because you've heard good things, or you just want to learn more. Um, Whatever the case is, you are in the right place. I am really hopeful that my many, many years of experience are going to help and guide and maybe even inspire you to either get started with the reading workshop model or to hone your skills even further. So again, this is the fourth in a series. In the first uh, pod, in the first of my podcasts in the series, we talked about why you should consider reading workshop model. In the second, we started talking about the first steps of getting started with reading workshop and what you would need to, you know, have to prepare, things like that. And in the third, we talked all about mini lessons. So if you haven't listened to them yet, you definitely want to go ahead and and give those a listen as well. I also want to mention that there are many people who hear the term reading workshop and they see it as something that is too vague or only for students who are at grade level with their reading. Um, Please know that I have used Lucy Calkins units of study successfully in my class and I really love them. However, (laughs) I really had to modify them quite a bit to make them more skills based and practical for my students. So I was just reading yet another article about Lucy Calkins and, and, you know, the future of Teachers College. And if you're not aware of all of that, there is a lot of criticism, which quite frankly, I don't know if people are using the units correctly that criticize them or they haven't adapted them to meet their needs. Because I don't really think many programs you can take out of a box and use. I just don't. So I just want you to know that I hear you if you're doubtful, um, but give this a listen because you're going to see that this is not just a set of fabulous lessons for your high-flying readers. It really is something to use for all of your students. I have used it in my ICR classes very successfully with, of course, modifications. So I just wanted to mention that. 
I also want to mention before we dive in um, that I'm going to be mentioning a few valuable freebies. Um, I want to encourage you to grab them and sign up for my email list because I do a lot of freebies and as I create new ones, I send them out to my subscribers. I also alert you if there's a sale or when I post a new product, I personally make them 50% off for the first 24 to 48 hours. So you definitely want to be subscribed so that you will um, get all of the news. So everything will be linked in the show notes that are at the in the uh, description of the show. So like I said, in this episode, we are going to talk about the actual reading workshop model and what it is. Okay, we're going to talk about how you first set expectations for your class. We're going to talk about the mini lesson. I did do a whole podcast about the mini lesson, but I'm going to give you the most important tenets of that. We'll talk about what the actual workshop time is, conferencing, and sharing. And just as an FYI, there will be more podcasts on specific things such as conferencing to come. Okay, so the first thing is setting your expectations, right? I mean, I think this is something that we need as humans. If we're diving into something new, right? If, you're, if your district is giving you a new curriculum, you want to know what am I expected to do? Your students are no different than you. So before you begin your first reading workshop, it's crucial to explicitly state the expectations of the, for the students so that they know what to expect and what their role is. I advise that you make this into a mini lesson and, and go through all of your expectations and maybe a slideshow that you project so that they're very clear. And I would make it about just like any other mini lesson, which we'll talk about like 15 minutes long, no longer, okay? You want to clearly go over all of your expectations and then you also wanna post them in your room or, or and or on your digital learning platform. I do both, okay? So here's what I would include. I like to let the students know what materials to bring each day. I tell kids that if they forget materials, they're not going to get a zero or anything like that, but they will need to do their work somewhere else and transfer it into the correct place. So if they're taking notes, they have to take notes on paper and then get it into their actual reading notebook that night. Okay. Um, I tell students uh, where that we have a student shelf and that materials are available to them. By the way, I really recommend having a student shelf because that's a place in my room where they know there's paper, there's sometimes pencils if they haven't all disappeared. Um, they're welcome to go there and take something and to figure it out. <laughs> this way, we don't make a big deal out of it. It doesn't stop the whole class you know, to discuss the whole thing. And they know it is ultimately their responsibility not mine. I'm not figuring it out for them. Okay. One problem that can arise is if they don't have their book. I tell them up front, if you don't have your book, you can let me know, but either borrow another copy from the shelf, or if you don't have, if there is not an extra copy on the shelf, um, you're going to have to work on something else while everybody else is reading. Okay. So Hopefully with that, you know, if that happens to them one time, they don't let it happen again because that, now they have an extra half hour's worth of homework in most cases. 
Um, I, I will let students know that you're going to be very clear with assignments and due dates so that they're not always wondering. Decide now on your late policy and let them know, okay? For me, I tell them if it's something like a, a homework assignment that we're going over in class and, you know, this is not a typical like reading homework assignment. It's more something that they're working on than their novel, but it would be a zero, but you still have to do it because you have to do it to move on in your novel. Um, if it's a final piece, um, then I might tell them it's five points a day, but that, that would be up to you and your population and, and what your philosophy is on that. Um, as I talked about in our mini lesson podcast, I let students know that during mini lessons, I do the talking, they do the listening. It is not time for their anecdotes and discussions. They get to do a talk during the turn and talk portion. Um, we have time for questions at the end. And for a whole 10 to 15 minutes, they have to listen. Okay, and that's one of the reasons we keep our lessons really brief. Um, I also had talked about the importance of movement during our mini lessons. And I don't mean while you're talking, but moving into another location of the room, even if it's a small movement, to signal to your kids that something important is about to happen. So when I tell them, please gather for our mini lesson, they know that if they're at the back table, they have to move up with their chairs and their notebooks. If they're sitting uh, to the left of me, a certain amount of kids might have to turn their chairs around. Um, but they all know that they have a space to go for the mini lesson. And it just signals like, a, you know, bringing them together in like a little reading community where they're all facing the same way and we're all ready to start. Okay. Um, students need to know that they're going to be working with a partner throughout the unit. I think this is a really important component of, a re of the reading and writing workshops that they get a new partner for every unit and that you pick the partner. I would tell them, and, and this is what I do tell them, that sometimes you're going to be working with somebody that you might not know and maybe you think that you don't like them. And that is life and you're going to do it anyway because it is not a social call, even though the social aspects of it are fantastic and it kind of is. But for them, I want them to know that they are in a partnership to improve their reading and discuss their reading and that I am not a DJ. I do not take requests. I mean, obviously, if you have some social issues going on in your class, you want to take that into account. Um, but I do tell them partnerships are not always perfect, um, but it's expected for them to do their best to work well together and to help each other when needed. I also tell students that during the workshop portion, and this is the time when they're actually reading and working in their notebooks, I expect them to read and work. I tell them that I expect them to have their reading done so that they are ready to conference. So, you know, the way that we do it, and, and we'll get more into this, is they, they get a reading plan. They know that, you know, by... Tuesday, they have to read up to page, you know, pages 40 to 50 in their novel or whatever it is, and that it has to be done when they get to class, because I'm coming around to conference with you. And if you don't have the reading done, number one, you can't conference with me. Number two, you can't discuss the things that you need to discuss with your partner. 
And number three, you're going to have homework that's accumulating. So I try to point all of that out. Does it work out perfectly? No, it does not. And I know all of us teach in really different environments, right? I mean, some of you could be in a really difficult school where, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe it's very low socioeconomic issues and and things like that. I do not work in a district like that. But I will tell you, um, my district, our children are, are fairly privileged. But I will tell you, homework is not always the most important thing to a lot of our parents. In fact, I've had parents downright say to me that it's interfering with their time because their child has sports and they want to go out to dinner and they want to do all these things. So I think we all deal with that in a different way, but we all do deal with it. And I do tell them that if they don't have it done, that that they're going to have to get it done, whether it's while we're all doing something else or, or however you want to work it in your class. For me, if your reading's not done, you stay at your desk and read while the rest of the class is all off working and, and talking and stuff like that. Okay. Don't get me started on kids not doing their homework. I could do like a 20 series podcast on that. Um, you want to let kids know that during sharing time, and there's, I'll be talking about this a little bit later, but we do share. And, you know, a lot of these novels evoke a lot of personal, uh, a lot of relationship to the characters and the struggles that characters face. And kids often share some really personal stuff in that Whatever we're sharing is to stay in the room. Now, these are middle schoolers. Does that always work? No, and that's okay. Um, it's not really okay, but you do want to set the expectation that it is your expectation and lay that out for them. Okay, so the second component of a reading workshop model is the mini lesson. Now, like I said, I did a whole podcast on this, but let me give you some of the overall importance, uh, important ideas. So we talked about the importance of, of movement in the lesson, and you really want to let kids know exactly where they are going to sit during the mini lesson, during the workshop portion, because again, you really want kids to, you know, get up, you know, tell them gather around now and have kids know that this is something important that's about to happen. Again, we talked about um, the idea of them working with a partner and that they need to be accountable to their partner by coming to class with the reading assignment done because a lot of times in the mini lesson, I'm going to tell them to turn and talk. And it might be if we're doing a mini lesson on theme, you know, turn and talk to your partner about what you think a possible theme in your story could be at this point. And if they haven't done the reading, then it's going to be very hard for them to do that. Um, Tell students that during the workshop portion, and this is the time when they are reading and working in their notebooks, that you expect them to read and work because they're going to be taking what they did during the mini lesson and they're going to be applying it to their independent work time. Okay. Um, as far as the mini lesson goes, a mini lesson is just that. A mini lesson is short, it's direct instruction, and it's one skill at a time. And that's how I do it. Um, I always point out in the mini lesson what the skill is. So, for example, I might say, 
The goal of today's mini lesson is to understand that symbols sometimes reveal theme. And then I have explicit instruction to talk about symbols and how they relate to theme. And that turn and talk portion, I might say, turn and talk to your partner about an object that is important in your life and what it might symbolize to you, okay? And the end of the mini lesson, like I said, is direct and clear instruction on what to do during that independent workshop time. So my final, I do a slideshow, my final slide will say directions for workshop. And it might say, in your notebook, write down an object found in your novel that you think could be a symbol. Write down something it could possibly symbolize. That might be the direction. Then continue to read on to your next reading goal. This way kids are very, very clear on that. Um, I can't emphasize that enough that you have to give them very clear instructions and keep it brief. Okay, so maybe what they should be doing in their notebook and their next reading goal because you want kids actually reading during reading workshop time. Okay, we don't get to be better baseball players by somebody talking to you about baseball all the time. You get to be a better baseball player when you're actually out practicing. And during that workshop time, um, they're going to, which is what we're going to talk about now, you're going to be conferencing with them. So let's move on and talk about workshop time. So workshop time is when kids are working on reading and you are circulating and conferencing. So here are some basics. Again, be so super clear on their expectations that you that you give them. I always leave that slide open and projected for them so that they can see, you know, directions for workshop number one, work on my reading notebook about symbols so that they have it right in front of them. Um, once I'm done with my mini lesson, I like to give the kids a little bit of time to move about and settle because I like them to move around in my room. I have a, a rug and beanbag chairs and things like that. I have a whole podcast episode on setting up your room, but I, I let them get into their spot with their partner. And then I do a quick walk around just to make sure everybody's doing what they should be doing. And then I begin conferencing, which I'll get back to in a moment. It's okay and even a good idea at times to interrupt the class to restate an important point. Okay, I would not, however, interrupt the class to restate directions. If I see a kid off task, I just walk over to them and I say, would you please go back up to the board and read the directions as to what you're supposed to be doing at this time? Because if I've just told you and I have it in writing and it's in the room, I do not want to have a full class discussion. I'm All I'm doing now is I'm interrupting like 90% of the class who are listening to the directions for the few kids who can't be bothered listening to what you're telling them to do. Okay. Um, the amount of time that the kids spend in the actual workshop time, it should be about 30, 30 minutes is ideal. Okay, obviously it might be a little less and you want to leave a little bit of time for sharing at the end, but 30 minutes is a really good goal for that. All right, conferencing. The other component, the next component of reading workshop model is conferencing. Conferencing is a really big topic 
and it has its own podcast coming up. But for now, here's an overview. Conferencing is a crucial component of the workshop. Conferencing is a way to meet with kids individually or in small groups on skills or problems in their comprehension and applying skills. Conferencing has to be planned and intentional on your part, or you're going to see that you're going to waste a lot of time. And some of the time that might be wasted might be too much time spent with one student, okay? Um, conferencing can be brief or more extended, and it depends on your goal. And like I said, I'm going to be doing a whole episode on this next, so I'm not going to get too much into the nitty gritty. Um, I do want to just give you a heads up that I have a freebie on conferencing with some really good um, generic questions that you can use as starters for your conferencing. But basically what you would do is, let, let's say that you are teaching um, something on symbols. You might just sit down with the student and say, what's going on in your novel? Have you found any objects? And then the student is either going to stare blankly at you <laughs> And if they do that, it's okay to maybe involve their partner a little bit to kind of egg them on. And if you're noticing a pattern here that the student really isn't understanding and another student isn't, you might want to pull them over for a small group lesson on that. Okay. Um, but you have to be, one thing I have to say is you have to be really intentional and don't be so overzealous in taking notes on every single thing. Yes, I take notes on students I meet with. But when I say it's really brief, it's really brief, okay? It might say something like, she totally understood symbolism and pointed an object out. This way I just know who's getting it and who is not, okay? And then I can kind of keep track with whom I meet on certain days. All right, the last component that's really important and often overlooked is sharing in the reading workshop model. Um, many people, many teachers end up skipping this, and I've been guilty of it too, um, due to time constraints, right? You have a fire drill in the middle of class, you don't have time to share, we all get it. However, do try to make it a priority on the regular, because it really is a highlight um, of, of the workshop for them and for you. Um, I know it's difficult to perfectly orchestrate this time-wise, but do try to fit it in and the kids really need to see what others are doing and thinking and some kids just really want to share and need that community time so I gather kids back together for this I actually gather my kids on the rug for this and then we share something as a group but I pick one specific item to share um, I would try to make it I would absolutely make it related to the mini lesson and the teaching goal so for example, if the goal was to look for evidence for a character trait, have students share out one example that they found. And they could even do this within their group. Or I might do something like if we were learning about character traits, I might want to say, did anybody find a character trait that they share with their character to make it a little more personal? But just one thing, you know, so that you give kids some time to talk when they want to talk. Um, you can then close up your lesson, remind the students of your teaching goal, and repeat any directions for homework at this time. Okay, so if that sounds like a lot, <laughs> I know it is. 
I do, like I said, I have some freebies for you. I have actually too many lessons that I will link that are free to you. I have some conferencing forms for you that will be really helpful. Um, I also want to take this time to cordially invite you to join my Facebook group. It is really brand new and it's it's hard to start a brand new Facebook group. There are so many out there. Um, but the teachers who joined are engaged and they have great tips. So if you're new, you're going to find this is a really great place to get inspiration and ask your questions. And if you're a veteran teacher, you will be surprised at some of the ideas you've never considered. And I'll, I'll leave a link to that below as well. I hope this information was helpful. Be sure to check the links that I mentioned in the show notes. My email is available there as well in case you have questions or comments. You can also DM me on Instagram at school. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.